Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, we give you thanks this morning. We give you thanks that this is the day that you have made for us to rejoice and to be glad, for us to come in to the purpose of understanding that just as we have just watched your love for Barabbas, an evil, wicked man, you also love the self-righteous, justified man who thinks he could live without God. So we pray this morning that you open the eyes of our understanding, that we would see the power of the resurrection as it unfolds in the scripture, as these who experienced this resurrection witnessed and moved in a direction that brings your heart pleasure. We pray that us who live 2,000 years later would also have our eyes opened to what happened on a Sunday like this many years ago. We pray that you would awaken our spirit and that all things dead would raise from, from that apathetic and indifferent sentiment. We pray that your word would be a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, the good seed that's planted in good hearts that bring forth good fruit and a harvest that glorifies your name, that we no longer live for ourselves, that the, the dream and the expectations you had for us to live for others would be a reality as we would be able to walk in love towards our family and friends, our community, our generation. Prosper your word in the hearts of your people and bring us back from the dead to raise up and live forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Here it is, the account is very amazing. Uh, the announcement was made, Luke 24, verse 6. This is the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 24, verse 6. And, and we could all read it together. He's not here, but it, uh, it is risen. He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. He was reminded of Jesus having told them that this was going to take place. Um, he wasn't in a grave. He wasn't at the cemetery. He wasn't in the tomb. He is risen. Verse 7. The Son of Man, he said, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day he would rise again. So this is Sunday. And the risen Christ um, is no longer in the tomb. In fact, uh, a lot of people have said that you could go to the gravesite of Jim Morrison, you could go to the gravesite of many uh, of the Beatles, and you'll find them there. You'll find uh, men, uh, Muhammad's gravesite, his bones are there. You could go to Buddha's gravesite, his bones are there. But if you go to Jesus' tomb, and we were there in 2007, there's no body lying there. Uh, he was risen, he took his bones with him, and then... Uh, the phenomenal thing is that now he had to uh, proclaim because we know that this week, because of the events that transpired, all the disciples left running. They were scared. They were hiding because they thought that there would be search parties going into their homes looking for them also. They didn't know if, if the hunt was over. It was too fresh. They were being accused of being too much like him. And so they didn't know if they were fugitives they didn't know what to do, and so they're hiding. But how many, how many thank God 
for, uh, I have to say it like this, I've said it in the past, there's an element in man which rises up stronger uh, than anything we know. And we see this in Matthew 28, verse 1, that here we're going to see how the phenomenal expression of this day started after the Sabbath. Remember, they had to crucify him and pull him down from the cross because they weren't allowed to uh, be uh, involved in this activity because the Sabbath was coming. So after the Sabbath had passed, on the first day of the week, it began, the sun began to come out. And even before the sun began to come out, you got man's most powerful portion moving in the direction of God. And we've said this before, we'll say it till we die, that the most powerful part of a man is called the woman. All the women say amen. amen. Come on, you have to admit it. We'll say it again. The most powerful part of a man is a woman. Oh, you guys didn't say it like, like you wanted to say it. Look, I know you don't want to embarrass your husband or the guy sitting next to you, but the Bible says it's not good for a man to be alone. And all the men say amen. See, the men know. So if, the most, if, if, if God saw man's condition in solitary, uh, you know, he's just poor old man there, and God says it's not good that man would be alone. It says it in um, Genesis chapter 2. We'll go looking for it real quick. I want to put it into context. If God says this, we're not to contradict what God says. And even last night, this is uh, Genesis 2.18. Genesis 2.18. The Lord God. Say with me, the Lord God said. said. This is the highest authority. It is not good that man should be alone. Then some of the wives might want to nudge your husbands and say, see, honey, I told you. See, I told you. It's not good for you to be alone. So I will make for him a helper that will lift him up to the heights of my purpose for man. Uh, let me tell you something. If the women hadn't gone to the tomb that day, we would have never known about Jesus' resurrection because sure enough, the men were not going to be around that tomb. It had to take some serious courage. And we say that men are single-engine Cessnas. They're like little propeller engines. And the women are like the Starship Enterprise. They boldly go where no man has gone before. And many times this gets them in trouble. And all the men say, these are all the dynamics, and we're preaching the truth of the gospel this morning. That man, the, the most powerful part of a man is a woman, and that a woman who doesn't walk in wisdom is man's most powerful devastation. And I'll just say that many of the men will not come to the church. This I have to say it. Why do men not come to church? Because they don't want to be embarrassed by their wives who wants to tell them where to sit, when to sing, when to lift their hands, when to go to the bathroom, when to come, when to go. So men says, you know something, you go to church, leave me in peace. And you guys got to watch yourselves because you guys are bringing the downfall of your family and your marriage and your legacy. So a wise woman builds your home. A wise woman is walking 
as an instrument of God so that the man becomes the full expression of God's purpose in this life. And then the family takes that same uh, expression and then the children come after. If the children never see a bold man worshiping his God, they won't know that this is for men. Uh, one of the pastors we were hearing was saying that um, as he's in the house of God, little boys that are eight, nine years old, and they look over at dad, and dad is with his hands in his pocket, his hands in his pocket, he's indifferent, and he's like, man, I hope this is over already. He comes to church like this. And so the children are looking at dad, the, the male leader of the home, who is not passionate about serving Jesus Christ, who doesn't get really interested in being faithful to God. And so the children come to the conclusion, faith is not for men. Faith are for women and for children. I went to church with my grandmother. I went to church with my mother. I went to church with my sister. But my dad wasn't there, and when my older brother reached a certain age, he stopped being faithful to Christ. And so that is a huge devastation. Going back now, uh, we're going to go to this portion of scripture in Matthew 28. It was the beginning of the day and we see Mary Magdalene, uh, one of the followers of Jesus, and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. They went to go see where he was laid. Uh, very important. They went to go see where Jesus was laid. Um, they were the last ones in seeing him uh, be put in the grave. I, I love this because you see the women. Um, let's go to, we're going to hold, put your finger there on uh, Matthew 28. Let's go to Mark 15 and verse 47. These women were there when they were putting Jesus in the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, observed where he was laid. They were spotting the body of Christ. And the following morning after the Sabbath, after he had been laid there, um, it says in Matthew 28, uh, verse 2, Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. So there it is. An angel had to move this big, large stone that had been rolled in front of the tomb so that nobody could be there. Uh, the, the Jewish leaders of the day asked the local authorities for a platoon of soldiers, and they were to surround the tomb to make sure nobody would steal the body. Those were the historical facts of the day, and the tomb was sealed with a ring, a signet ring, that whoever violated where that ring was placed would deserve death. They could not uh, move those things. <clears throat> Verse 3, the countenance of this angel was like lightning. Verse 3. His face was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. So these are all the facts that are placed in the word of God. Verse 4. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The guards that were watching over that place, they really freaked out. In verse 5, it says that the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. You're here investigating, looking for Christ. Verse 6, he is not here, for he is risen as he said. 
the place, um, come and see the place where the Lord lay. And uh, verse 7, and go quickly and tell the men, the men, you guys got to tell the men, that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee, and you will see him. Behold, I have told you. I've entrusted you with this message. Uh, So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples this word. They They were so overwhelmed with the joy of what they were being told. And so verse 9 says that as they went to tell the men, behold, Jesus met them saying, uh, the first thing is that the angel is meeting with them and tells them Jesus is no longer here. Tell them that he'll meet them in Galilee. But Jesus sees the women running back and he appears to them and he says, rejoice. Um, one One of the writers of the Bible says that from the Friday that Jesus is crucified, where they see their savior die, arrested, tried, put away, beaten, uh, just humiliated, treated like, like a, a total thug. Um, and then the day of celebration, just a couple of days away, this is such a stark contract of, of joy and, and sadness right back to back. So they came and helped, held him by the feet and worshiped him. The women were like, were holding on. Verse 8, it says, so they went out quickly from the uh, tomb with fear and great joy and ran. Okay, we read that. Let's go to verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. There they will see me. Um, I want you to know that the, the descriptions of these events are, are amazing. They're, they're incredible. Um, some have not tapped into this reality. But the message that the Christians uh, took around the world was that Jesus was no longer dead, he's alive. And these guys who were running in fear, when they came and saw Jesus and met him, and some of them touched him, Thomas, um, Thomas says, if I don't touch his nails, where the nails went in his hands, Um, If I don't see it as a reality, don't count me in as a believer. That's why they call him Doubting Thomas. And Jesus says, blessed are those that don't have to touch and see for them to believe. And that's you and me, right? Uh, We have not physically seen these realities. But, But some of the men, after they had seen and heard Jesus after the grave, they begin to preach. One of them was a Peter who had denied the Lord three times during the trials and the arrest period. Um, in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, he boldly declares these words. This is Peter after the resurrection. He says, now you therefore, no, 3, 3.15, please. Acts 3.15. Okay. Um, and you killed the prince of life, the author of life, whom God raised from the dead of which we are witnesses. So this guy who was a coward, who was doubting, who was running, is now standing before a multitude saying, you guys killed the author of life, but God has raised them from the dead, and we have seen this. We have seen Jesus conquer death. Um, Chapter 4, verse 33, the following uh, chapter, uh, they wrote these words. Acts chapter 4, verse 33, with great power, 
with boldness. You got that? Acts 4.33. With great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Great grace was upon them. They were, they were able to walk in God's plan. Now, there was a group of people that did not believe in the resurrection. Uh, the Bible says that there were the religious leaders, there were the scribes, there were the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. These were all groups in Jesus' day, and they all believed different things. But there was a group in Matthew chapter 22, 23. Uh, hopefully, nobody here this morning is part of this group. They were called the Sadducees. And the Bible says in Matthew 22:23, the same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him a question. And during Jesus' lifetime, this group of spiritual leaders, not the scribes, not the Pharisees, not the teachers of the law, but the Sadducees said, there's no resurrection. People don't come back from the dead. And I always remember this group of people because in order to be part of them, uh, you have to believe that there is no resurrection, and that makes you a Sadducee. And uh, I say it's sad, you see? Um, okay. You don't want to be part of that group. You don't want to be part of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection. Because the promise of God is, if there is a resurrection, and it is true that Jesus came back from the dead, the same way he raised from the dead, you, filled with his spirit, will also raise from the dead. Amen. Super important Amen. that the same thing that happened, just like when Peter saw Jesus walking on the waters, and he says, Master, I want to walk on the waters. He says, come. And so he started walking. He was seeing Jesus and followed his example. The same way, the resurrection will be the same. And there it is in John eleven twenty five. Here is the secret of being part of the resurrection. Um, it says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, shall live. So this is the nexus. If you follow Jesus, you will participate in what he uh, participated, which is virtually coming back from uh, the dead. Uh, Paul, who came later in Philippians chapter uh, 3, he says the same thing. He says, I want to follow Jesus. So that if I am like him in his suffering, I will also be like him in the resurrection. And, and you also um, line your life up with this reality. Begin to pursue Christ and to know him. Let's go there real quickly in Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to read verse 10. He says that I might know him. That word know is that I might be close to him and the power of his resurrection. I want to be close to his sufferings and to be conformed to his death. Why does he want to suffer? Why does he want to be unselfish? And he says it in verse 11, the reason why. So that by any means... I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. There's a classification of those people that will suffer with Christ, who will deny themselves, who will take up the cross, who will be humiliated, and who will also rise with him 
in a resurrection power. Now, this power of the resurrection is more than we could ever fathom. As I want to share with you that the power of the resurrection is the life of Christ. The life of Christ begins to resurrect marriages. The life of Christ begins to resurrect those that are dead in their sins and trespasses. In the last couple of days here, last couple of years, men have come into this place totally dead in sins and trespasses, addicted to drugs and alcohol and lewdness and pornography, and they come to Jesus and he gives them the power of the resurrected life. They stop drinking, they stop doing drugs, they stop being selfish, they stop doing pornography, they stop cursing. It's just a phenomenal life of Christ. And to witness this is the most powerful thing that you can see in, in this life. I, I just continue to rejoice seeing the power of the resurrection in the lives of those who believe. And you might have come in here today not knowing that power, but I thank God that you came today. I thank God that you'll be given the opportunity to start following Christ. Uh, as he revealed himself, we could go to 1 Corinthians 15.3. Um, you'll see Paul write these words. He's documenting historically the record. And he says, for I will give to you, first of all, that which I've received. The most important thing that I have, I'm going to give to you. That Christ died for our sins according to the word of God. I had a friend of mine, I was showing him a video of the cross of Christ, how they, they hammered him. He's a Jewish lawyer. And I was saying, look, this is, this is what Jesus, what happened to Jesus. And, and clang, and clang, and clang. And those nails going through the hands and the feet. And, and he sat there and he asked me this question. This is crazy. Why did he do that? That was a great question. I love that question. Why did he do that? I said, ha ha. That was the great point. I said, ha ha. He got it. He did it for you, my friend. He did it for you. He did it for you. Jesus did it for you. Jesus did it for you. Don't, don't try and put yourself away from this and say, well, these Christians are crazy or these theologians or, or these pastors. No, no, no. It's you. It's a personal thing. It's a personal witness. So the first thing I give you, Paul says, is that Christ died for our sins according to what the scripture says that we are destined to hell, that we deserve to be uh, eternally away from God in a real dark hidden place verse 4 and he moves in the direction to be and he's buried it's the second most important thing that he's he's put in the tomb he's there for several days and then that he rose again this is the christian faith and and many people they, they want to put this off the third day according to the scriptures he rose again verse 5 and he showed up to Peter. He showed up to the 12. He showed up to the women at the tomb. Mary and Magdalene. And it says, after that, verse 6, he appeared to more than 500 of the followers of the brothers at that time. Most whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Some of them have already passed away, but when this letter is being written to the Corinthians, there's still people that saw Jesus when he came back from the grave. 500 of whom the greater part remain. There's a big, large portion of people still alive. Verse 7, then he appeared to James, then to all the rest of the apostles. 
And last of all, he appeared to me like someone who's a late-born. Verse 8. Last of all, he was seen by me as one born out of due time. I should have been part of that, of that group. Jesus says that the resurrection would be the proof of his reality. Matthew 12 Verse 38, the one, one of them, one group of spiritual leaders, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, so they would be no part of waiting for Jesus to come back. And then the Pharisees, they said, teacher, we want a miracle. Show us a miracle. How many, how many are saying, if I only saw a miracle, then I would believe in Jesus? And Jesus says, you miracle seekers, you have little issue with Christ. It says it in the next verse. They say, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. I won't give me proof, pastor. How do I know that this really happened? And then this is how Jesus responds, verse 39. He says, he answered and said to them, you evil and adulterous generation, you seek after a miracle. No sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. This is one evidence that allows you to make your step from non-believer, Sadducee, to believer, in the resurrection power where everything in your life begins to take the flourishing steps of this power verse 40 he says for as jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth he says the sign i'll give you is that i'll come back from the dead this was way before he died this is why he was still living. They asked him, give us a sign so we could believe. And he says, no sign will be given to you except one. The sign will be that Jesus will raise from the dead. If you do not capture that sign, you are wicked. You are very ungodly. And this happened 2,000 years ago. And so we're a little bit late bloomers here. Let's ask the musicians to come forward because what I want to do this day is to tell you the significance of what Christ is doing and that he has become the, the fountain and the, the author of our faith. He is, he is why we stand in this place and worship um, uh, on a weekly basis. We're not just worshiping on Sundays. We worship God. And I was telling somebody the, uh, about two days ago, I said, listen, 32 years ago, I asked Jesus Christ into my heart. I was 16 years old. And every second minute day month and year after that moment jesus has been with me the whole time it's the most incredible reality that i've my friends would say well joaquin you'll you'll outgrow that you'll you'll get when, once you get married you'll see that that once you have children you once you become a lawyer once you I guess it's 32 years and even this day his presence has accompanied me uh, from the time I wake up in the morning, sometimes during the night as I dream, sometimes in the afternoon uh, as I'm driving my car, he's the ever-presence uh, that will never, never go away. He said those words too, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. And so give me an opportunity and the worship team here this morning, um, let's ask the, the singers to come out. And, and I want to begin by, by telling you who Jesus is. This was written by uh, Billy Graham's daughter some years ago, and it's an all-inclusive expression of who he is 
And, and I pray, I pray that this day that you would bring him into your life, that you would welcome him into your marriage, into your family, that you can, you can stand with me um, as you hear things that might, might touch your heart this morning about who Jesus is uh, and what he means to you. You could stand as you hear his description. And it goes like this. Give me Jesus. He is enduringly strong. He is entirely sincere. No other reality like him. He is eternally steadfast. He's not one day high, one day low. He's just like, he's constant. He is immortally gracious. His grace never ends. He is empirically powerful. He's impartially merciful. He is the greatest phenomena that has ever crossed the horizon of the globe. He is God's son. He is the sinner's savior. He is the captive's ransom. He is the breath of life. He is the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in solitude of himself. He is august. He is unique. He is unparalleled. He is unprecedented. He is undisputed and undefined. He is unsurpassed and unshakable. He is the lofty idea in philosophy. He is the highest personality in psychology. He is the supreme subject of all authority. He is the supreme subject in literature. He is the unavoidable problem in higher criticism. They can't get over him. He is the fundamental doctrine of theology. He is the cornerstone, the capstone, and the stumbling stone of all religion. He is the miracle of the ages. Just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. In the morning, when I rise, in the morning, when I rise, in the morning, when I rise, give me Jesus. Right there, right there, right there. No, right there. No, right there. No. You guys got carried away. Slow down. You guys got to follow me. I said one time. Bible says like this. No means of measure can define his limitless love. I've seen Jesus love people that you would not want to include no far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out the blessings he has promised. He forgives, he forgets. He creates, he cleanses. He restores, 
He rebuilds. He heals all sicknesses. And He helps all the needy. He reconciles, brings back and redeems those that are lost. He comforts. He carries. He lives. He loves. He is God of the second chance. God of the fat chance. God of the slim chance. And the God of no chance. That's the Jesus I want. Give me Jesus. And when I'm alone And when I'm alone And when I'm alone Give me Bible says like this he's the one that discharges all debts he forgives those that we still hold accountable he delivers the captive he defends the feeble he blesses the young he serves the unfortunate he regards those that are aged and he rewards the diligent he beautifies the meek he's the key to all knowledge he is the fountain of life, and He is the wellspring of joy. In Him is the storehouse of all wisdom. He is the foundation of faith. He is the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway to peace. He is the roadway to righteousness. He is the gateway to glory. He is the highway to happiness. Give me Jesus. Let's just do the course. Give me Jesus, give me increased power to those who faint he offers escape to those that are tempted he sympathizes with those that are hurting he saves the hopeless 
He shields the helpless. He sustains the homeless. He gives purpose to those that have no aim. He gives reason to the meaningless. He gives fulfillment to our emptiness. He gives light in darkness, comfort in loneliness, fruit in barrenness, future in hopelessness, life to the lifeless. He guards the young. He seeks the stray. He finds the lost. He guides the faithful. He rights the wrongs. He adverges the abused. He defends the weak. He comforts the oppressed. He welcomes the prodigal. He heals the sick. He cleanses the dirty. He beautifies those who fail. He mends the broken. He blesses the poor. He fills the empty. He clothes the naked. He satisfies the hungry. He elevates the humble. He forgives the sinner and raises the dead. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is enough. His grace is sufficient. He reigns with righteousness. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He is indestructible, indescribable, incomprehensible. He's inescapable. He's invisible. He's irresistible. He's irrefutable. I can't get him out of my mind and I can't get him out of my heart. I can't live without him. I can't live outlive him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him. The, fa uh, the um, Sadducees and the scribes couldn't stop him. Satan tried to tempt him, but found he couldn't trip him. Pilate examined him on trial and found no fault. The Romans crucified him, but couldn't take his life. Death couldn't handle him. The grave couldn't hold him. He has no predecessor. He has no successor. He is the lion and the lamb. He is God. He is man. He is the seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That is a racial king. He's the king of Israel, a national king. He's the king of righteousness. That is a moral king. He is the king of ages. That's an eternal king. He's the king of heaven. That is a universal king. He is the king of glory, a celestial king. He's the king of kings and Lord of lords. Won't you praise him this morning? Won't you give him praise him this morning?
Praise you, Jesus. Let's put Psalm 63, verse 4, up on the screen here. I will bless you while I live, and I will lift up my hands in your name. This is, this is what the Bible says when you raise your hand up to the heavens. This is a, a, a form of praising God. In Psalm 134, verse 2, King David says, I will lift hands in your sanctuary. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless God. That's the instruction for us. The Bible says, what qualifies you to do this? Everything that has breath, praise the Lord. If you're breathing, you could do this. You could raise your hands in the sanctuary. And I want you to repeat this prayer with me. The answer to the, to the cry out to God, give me Jesus. The Bible calls him the gift of God that brings salvation. Salvation is not based on the merits of your righteousness or your understanding. In fact, much, many more uh, non-understanding people are going to find themselves in heaven than the people who are trying to find their way through knowledge. The Bible says you come to God through faith. By faith, we understand. When you come to Jesus, then he opens your brain to see what he has for you. So say this prayer with me. Say, Father, I give you thanks. Say it out loud. Father, I give you thanks for Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, dying on the cross, shedding his blood as the perfect sacrifice for the forgiveness of my sins. Today, I say I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I surrender. I ask your forgiveness for all my sins. The ones I committed as a child, as an adolescent, as a young adult, even into my old age. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for my sins. Today I receive him and welcome him into my heart and into my life as my Lord and I'm my, as my Savior. Teach me your word. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I know Jesus died and on the third day, a day like today, I believe he rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and took a seat at the right hand of the Father. He is praying for me until I come into heaven. I give you thanks for this great salvation through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Give me Jesus, and you can have all this world, oh, yeah. and you can have all this world, yes, you can have all this world, just give me to turn to the person next to you and shake their hand and say welcome to the family of God.
Welcome to the house of God. Welcome to the beginning of the rest of your life. As you leave here today, I want to tell you what's happening in the heavens. The Bible says there's a great celebration of angels welcoming a lot of people into the house of God. You said that prayer, you said it with sincerity, with genuineness. Find yourself a Bible and start reading the life of Christ. His resurrection is revealed in the pages of this book. It's no church that saves. It's no religion that saves. It's no preacher that saves. Jesus is the one that will take you to where the Father will lead you. And so I'm, I'm greatly rejoicing. We're going to dismiss you because we're going to have a big Latino crowd coming in at 12. If today you thought this was going to be the Spanish service, uh, next Sunday at 12, you'll hear it in Spanish. Uh, so just let's greet each other on the way out. And, and we thank God that you're part of the family of God and you have understood what God wants for your lives. God bless you. Love you in the name of the Lord.